2: and welcome to the World in Sport from RNZ Pacific, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week the Fiji International Golf Tournament tees off at Natandola Bay and New Zealand Samoan boxer Joseph Parker comes up short in London. But first Samoa Sevens international Gordon Langkilde must remain in the United States until his next hearing after a judge refused permission for him to fly home. The 22-year-old is awaiting trial on two counts of battery, one count of assault and one count of misdemeanour following an off-field altercation with Welsh players at last month's Sevens World Cup. Linkilda, who pleaded not guilty, appeared in court in San Francisco this week for a pre-hearing conference alongside his lawyer Joshua Bentley. Pacific Rugby Players' chief executive Aidan Clark says the player must now return to court on August the 15th.
1: Been a really just a hearing to set a next date for uh, for Gordon's um, proper opportunity to uh, sit in front of the courts, which has been set for August 15th. What that means for us is, is we've now got a solid date that we can plan around, uh, not only in terms of his case but also for the support for Gordon needed. We made a request for him to be able to get back to Samoa and see his family, uh, but that's been denied by the courts, and uh, now we're just talking about um, how we're going to support Gordon on the ground um, between ourselves and and the SRU between now and the 15th.
2: So he's still in San Francisco. He must remain there for at least the next, you know, couple of weeks until that hearing. And what well, he's still being supported by the team manager is,
1: is he? Yes. Yep. Yep. Peter is, uh, is on the ground, and, and both of them are in a hotel there in San Francisco. They're in good spirits. Um, obviously, uh, trying to, um, just buy their time and, and, um, and make sure that they're uh, getting outside and, and seeing a few things, while well, because there's not much else they can do so um it's it's fantastic that SRU uh, have, have got Peter on board there um still with him and and we're able to uh keep in touch regularly whenever we need
2: and uh is theres still a requirement that he has to check in with the local police station or people at you know on a regular basis
1: yeah well um exactly so uh, Gordon can't go too far away from uh, where he is at the moment um and and we've got a fantastic lawyer Josh Bentley on the ground there who's who's working hard so um there's also those sorts of things for uh for Gordon and Peter to work through.
2: If he can't leave the country, he can't go back to Samoa in the interim, is there a possibility of perhaps some family members going the other way?
1: Uh, possibly. Um, he's also got some extended family members uh, in, in LA and I believe also in Hawaii. So um, we're actually just working through with SIU uh, on all those contingencies around um, how we're going to best support Gordon over this next period. His welfare is uh, first and foremost at the moment, uh, while we're obviously, obviously uh, preparing the legal case. Um, but at the moment, um, everything is, is in place for him, and uh, he's in good spirits.
2: So, in terms of the case and arguments, and you know, evidence and all that sort of stuff, uh, the plea was already made at the initial hearing, and, and there was no to and fro of you know evidence or arguments. Still
1: pleading not guilty, and uh, nothing's changed from the legal team on that perspective.
2: Okay, so 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 in many respects, it is still very much continuing to be a a, a waiting game, I guess.
1: It is, mate. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, like I said. Uh, this next period, and build up to uh, his hearing on the 15th, is really about us making sure everything's there that we need legally and also um, that Gordon's um, support and his welfare is OK on the ground.
2: That's specific Rugby Players' Chief Executive Officer Aidan Clark. Organisers of the Fiji International Golf Tournament are tipping this year's event to be the best yet. Former World Number One Vijay Singh has been involved since the start and this year is joined by fellow major winner Ernie Ells at the Net and Dollar Bay Course. The tournament director, Natalie McElroy, says the event has come a long way in the past five years.
3: In the first year of running the event, which is twenty fourteen, I spent eight months over here setting it up, so getting suppliers on board, sponsors on board, working with the local golfing bodies as well to make sure that everybody was involved in the event. From there, we, you know, the field has grown. Um, the first year we started with 120 players, and this year, and, and the last few years, we've up to 132 players. Our co-sanctioning tour partners have changed over the years. So we originally started out with uh, One Asia as our sanctioning partner, but since 2016, through to now, um, we've had European Tour on board as a co-sanctioning partner, which is fantastic for the event. Obviously, the European Tour being one of the oldest and most prestigious tours in the world, it's fantastic to have them on board and then last year we welcomed the Asian tour on board as well so we've got three uh, tour sanctioning partners on board. Uh, over the years as well, you know we've seen some vast improvements in our operation and delivery of the event with our suppliers improving and getting to know the, the landscape of a major international event really well.
2: Obviously being in Fiji and Atondola Bay, uh, how crucial has Vijay Singh been both in the promotion of this event and, and just his involvement and I guess name recognition and reputation around the golf world?
3: Absolutely. I mean, He's been crucial to the event since day one and we've been lucky enough to have him being a staunch supporter of the event since the very first one. Uh, When he came back to to Fiji in 2014, I think it was the first time he'd been able to come back to Fiji in about 10 years. So it certainly was a great coup for the country to have him visit. And since then, yeah, he's played every year of the tournament and loves it. When he is here during tournament week, he's very generous with his time. Uh, He helps out with, you know, sponsor entertainment and uh, talking to kids and potential golfers and signing autographs and really interacting with the crowd here so definitely been an integral part of the event and he's been fantastic to deal with uh, each year
2: And uh, of course I suppose that helps when you're trying to attract other golfers and other big names this year of course the big one being Ernie Els, I guess which is a, a bit of a coup
3: Absolutely, I mean I would say Ernie is the, the biggest name alongside BJ of course but the biggest name to have played in the tournament to date obviously with his um, President's Cup captaincy next year he's very much still heavily involved in the world of golf um, globally and it's fantastic to have him. He actually expressed his interest to want to come to the tournament last year just with dates and things like that. He was unable to attend last year so he kept in touch with us and and got on the boat early and said he'd love to come and play in the event. So to have someone at the caliber of Ernie endorsing the event and, and coming along and wanting to play in Fiji, I think it says a lot about the tournament and how it's progressed
0: over the years.
2: Also, you know, this tournament existing is an opportunity for local golfers to be a part of a major event to get that sort of exposure and, and, and you know, just local Fijians and, and people to sort of mix and mingle and, and maybe get to be involved in some sort of program or initiative to sort of maybe spark an interest in the sport.
3: Absolutely. So we're, we've really been conscious of that and made an effort to make sure that the, the tournament really involves the entire community since the start of the event. Um, from a professional's perspective, playing in the tournament, we actually run a local qualifying event and put a spot aside. Sorry. We actually run a local qualifying event and put aside uh, four spots for local Fiji PJ professionals to qualify through and play in the tournament. Uh, we also provide the winner and highest finishing local Fijian professional in the Fijian Open uh, is an exemption through to the tournament as well. So this year we actually have eight uh, Fijian professionals playing in the event, which is the most I've had today, which is fantastic. On the community engagement side, we do a lot of work year round. Um, we've been running the Westpac, PGA Schools golf program since 2015 uh, where we run clinics throughout the year in about 20 schools around the the main island and this year we've actually increased what the the program involves into culminating at a uh, a big golf event on the Saturday prior to the tournament so that the kids who've been participating in the, the clinics at their schools throughout the years now have the opportunity to experience golf on the actual golf course and it's been a fantastic initiative, uh, we've reached thousands of kids over the years and, and I can really see in the schools their excitement and enthusiasm in playing in the tournament each year, so it's fantastic to see that.
2: Last year there was uh, a major redesign by Vijay Singh and and partners uh, of, of quite a number of the holes, uh, is there anything different or anything new specifically this year? Uh, on
3: course in terms of the, the actual venue, uh, it's really now that it's had 12 months to mature and settle in. The course is in absolutely pristine condition. Feedback from all the players after the redesign launch last year was uh, unbelievable. They they really commended VJ on his skills in in designing the course, saying that it was a fantastic championship course, but also a fair course, you know, for the amateurs who play it year round. So. Uh, we had great feedback last year. Now that the, the course has had 12 months to settle in, it is in definitely the best condition we've seen it in the last five years. So our um, our congratulations to course superintendent Steve Whaler. He's done a fantastic job. It's definitely one of the best courses we play on on the tour in Australasia.
2: Anything else? Any other new initiatives or anything uh, different this year?
3: Probably one of the ones we're most excited about. Again, working with that community initiative and engagement is that we're launching a Bucks for Birdies campaign this year. And that will see that we will donate $10 for every birdie scored throughout the tournament to the Ministry of Education, which will be shared among six schools in the the local area around the golf course. So judging on previous years' numbers of birdies, we're expecting there to be about 1,300 to 1,400 birdies, which would mean that up around the $13,000 to $14,000 that will be donated to local schools in the area to put towards education resources or some new sporting equipment and, and things like that. So... I think it will be a unique way for the schools in the area to really become involved in the events and want to follow the, the scores of the players uh, and then also allow us to give something back to the community. So that's an initiative we're very excited about this year.
2: That's the Fiji International Tournament Director, Natalie McElroy. Meanwhile, Sam Lee is one of eight Fijian players in the field and he's hoping to complete a hometown double after winning the Fiji Open in June.
4: I've well, been playing quite well last couple of months, last three months I should say. But, yeah, it's uh, my fifth year playing this tournament. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I feel feel pretty good. feel yeah, confident.
2: As obviously one of the local golfers that, that competes in this event, and obviously it's the highest-profile event in the Pacific, uh, attracting yes. some pretty big names, uh, what, what, what do you think this tournament has done for golf in Fiji and, and, and maybe even just for the country? Uh,
4: well, first of all, uh, most locals here don't really know much about golf. And I think this tournament... Being this large, um, it just makes the locals aware of how big golf can be, and obviously brings in a lot of tourism back to Fiji. So it's incredible. And uh, for golf, everybody that I've played with around the South Pacific says, "Oh, yeah, I watched Fiji International in the, on TV, and just amazing."
2: <laughs> yeah, and I suppose the reality is that for for you know there are a number of tournaments throughout the region, but not of this scale. And so, try sanctioning with. Uh, you know, the Australasian, the European and, mm-hmm. and the Asian Tour, you know, means it's got this huge catchment.
4: Yeah, and uh, a lot of the golfers overseas know BJ Sings from Fiji, but they didn't really know much about golf in Fiji. But um, after this tournament, you know, obviously when Matt Kutcher had that putt on the uh, second hole to um, have the wind blow it in the hole, I think that, that also made it more popular. But <laughs> yeah,
2: and, and how are the conditions looking this year? Is it expected to be another windy one? Or
4: Well, it's quite windy today. Um, it was windy yesterday, but um, I think it's supposed to calm down maybe Thursday. But I think wind's supposed to pick up again from Friday on, so I reckon it'll be pretty pretty windy.
2: As one of the locals, do you, do, you, do you enjoy playing in the wind? Is it something you feel comfortable in because you may be a bit more used to it than some others?
4: Yeah, I think I'm, I'm a bit more used to it. But, I mean, this course can be pretty brutal (laughs) in the wind, and I have to have, you know, a game on just to play this course. So I have probably a bit more advantage playing this course than most, but uh, a lot of the guys that are playing this week have been here already, the guys from Australia and New Zealand. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of playing my good golf this week.
2: And, and, and what would be a successful uh, you know, tournament for you, Sam? Obviously, you want to win the trophy. Um, I think the last last year you were tied for 47th, I think. Where do you think you can be?
4: Yeah, I mean, the way I've been playing the last few months, uh, I would like to win it, obviously. But, um, yeah, I just have to make sure I don't make too many mistakes and uh, just, just try to play my own golf and play the course. Not worry about what other people are shooting and, and just play, play my golf.
2: There's eight Fijians, I think, meant to be in the main draw this year, which Uh, I think is a record.
4: Yeah, so every other year we've had uh, the Fiji Open winner from overseas, but this year I've won the Fiji Open, so I took that spot and um, the best local got another spot, so that's two from Fiji already from the Fiji Open and four extra from the local qualifying, so that helps. And uh, that's been one of my goals, to win the Fiji Open, so we get another spot for Fiji and uh, I did it. This year, so a few guys from Australia and New Zealand come over like every year, and um,
2: yeah. And and what do you think will be uh, a, a competitive school to maybe win the title uh, this year? What, what what's it? What's a good uh, what's a good return on this course?
4: I'd say probably around sixteen under would win. That's what I'm I'm guessing. Brent Snedeker came in shot, I think seventeen and one. I think the condition would be quite similar, maybe a bit more windy, but um, I think that would. That will
2: win it. That's Fijian golfer Sam Lee. Joseph Parker says he'll take his loss to Dillian White on the chin and hopes to come back in the future. The New Zealand Samoan fighter suffered a second consecutive loss at the weekend, with the Englishman White securing a unanimous points victory in London. Asomba Parker was trying to look at the bigger picture.
3: This fight I've taken on the chin, like there's so much, you know, he can teach you all this, and it's hard for me to execute the plan, you know. And I, like I said before, if I executed the plan, it would be different. But it's very hard when you have a great, you know, challenge in front of you. So our partnership is strong. You know, I'm sticking to the team that I have. You know, we've had a big fight with Joshua. We had another big fight with Dylan White. We're just planning, you know, planning and looking
2: forward to the future. The boxing commentator Mike Angove told Susie Ferguson that Joseph Parker's whole team needs to be reviewed in the wake of his loss.
0: Um, Obviously it was disappointing that Joe wasn't able to to get across. I think there was a critical moment in the second round when he was uh, given account for what was a head clash. That changed the early momentum of the fight and he he didn't really recover from that. Uh, It emboldened Dillian White and obviously Joe, he did struggle to execute, uh, and in particular getting off first, and they allowed billion White to dictate the pace of the fight, unfortunately. Mm, and on that head clash, do you think it was dirty tricks? Oh, look, a, a head clash will happen in boxing. I don't think it was deliberate at all. Uh, it was disappointing it wasn't picked up, because uh, essentially that was a, a three-point swing round in terms of the points score. If you, if you tally up the points uh, at the end of the fight, how the judges scored it, that would have made the result a draw. But that said, Joe had plenty of time to adapt and, uh, and uh, accommodate that in the fight. He had another 10 rounds in which to work, even if he you right off the next round as being around, he was dazed. So it was only really he sprung into life uh, around 10, 11, 12 and almost had him out of there in the final round, but it was too little, too late. Yeah, that last round was quite extraordinary, really. The last few seconds, it seemed that he may have been able to turn that round. Dillian White was out on his feet, there's no question. Uh, He was rocked by a right hand to the temple. Uh, Joe managed to cuff him with a left hook, but uh, just not enough time. And uh, that, uh, unfortunately, is is the nature of boxing. Uh, He probably needed to start his assault uh, a little bit earlier. He had a lot of rounds in which he he really didn't uh, or wasn't uh, aggressive enough. He talked about mistakes that were made that he didn't manage to implement the plan. What changes then need to be brought about so that that is not something that happens in the future? Well, the major, major problem for him is he showed holes that he's shown in his last three or four bouts. He moved backwards in a, in a straight line, something he didn't show against Anthony Joshua. He was far better moving laterally. Uh, his jab, he wasn't getting off first. He looked very fatigued very early. Uh, that had something to do with the, the body attack of, uh, of White. Um, and also, he just looked like he switched out of the fight for a period. He was surprised by the tactics of White. Um, which, to be honest, weren't any surprise. He was always going to be a bully. He was always going to roughhouse on the inside. So that comes down to execution of the fighter himself. It comes down to his conditioning, uh, perhaps his strategy. Um, it also comes down to, to the message uh, coming from the coaching team, uh, whether that's being delivered in the right way and whether the fighter's uh, receiving it. Um, you know, and mm. at an elite level, it is really 0.5 of a percent. Um, that that makes the difference and and can turn a fight and that's literally all that was required in this fight it was actually far closer than people think Mm. Um, and uh, it was significant moments and opportunities in the fight that weren't taken advantage of so are you saying then that there's an indication that there do need to be some changes made to the team surrounding parker well, look, uh, at the end of, of any fight, particularly when you've had two losses in a row, you have to go through an assessment period. You have to look at a number of things. Um, it's not just the coach. I noticed the Kiwi boxing, uh, the Kiwi knocking machines come out and uh, having a go at the coach. It's not about that. It's, it's about looking at the makeup of how that operation is working at this point. Uh, if there hasn't been improvement, uh, if there's been a plateau, how do you go about changing that? So the coach is obviously part mm-hmm. of that. So too is the fighter. So too is the, the preparation in terms of conditioning. Uh, perhaps psychology needs to be looked at as well. So there's a number of elements that, that come in. Do you introduce new people into the mix? Do you change uh, perhaps the mental conditioning? Uh, you know, it's a high-performance environment, and you have to look at that over, over the, the entire high-performance spectrum. Obviously, the coach is going to be part of that, but there are other elements as well.
2: That's boxing commentator Mike Angove, and that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.